Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of Los Podcast Hermanos. I am your host, Tyler Dumont, joined by the illustrious Kyle Perez. I'm Kyle, and I'm illustrious and illuminating. You know, that's always been the phrase that first comes to mind when I think, how is my friend Kyle? He's probably illustrious. And illuminating? Yes, as always. (laughs) Good. You're always illuminating, you know, things I've never thought of in these discussions. Yeah. And in your uh, random things that you share through text. I'm going to need you to show the receipts on this because like, I want one thing that I've shared in this here mm-hmm. podcast that mm-hmm. is illuminating. Well, I'd have to give credit to uh, the first batch of notes that you did. Uh, because there are a few ways of thinking of of topics, <laughs> I, I, I can't quite remember right now. All right, they're there. That's fair. That's fair. Just trust me. <laughs> you you, you lured you lured me in with notes. I've been good. How have you been? Well, um, for those of you listening, and as you are already aware, Kyle, mm-hmm. I've had COVID again. Yeah, I didn't know if we were going to talk about this, but yes, that's that's are. absolutely fine too. I'm I was happy to hear that you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, uh as you know, um and this is kind of breaking the fourth wall for anyone listening. Uh I had COVID in June of 2020, and then after that, I am also fully vaccinated and boosted. And I, despite being uh, vaccinated and boosted, uh, was doing pretty well for about two years uh, and tested positive uh, once more uh, the other day. I believe it was on Wednesday. Um, But here I am. Got some medications in me uh, that are uh, the, the new antivirals that Pfizer makes. Ah, that's the bleach that goes right in your veins. That's the bleach that goes in the veins, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) it seems to be working very well. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. As I'm assuming you can tell, I I seem normal. Well, I mean, normal, but eh, what is normal? (laughs) Who can really say when it comes to me, really? But, uh, yeah. I mean... Have you been doing anything with... I assume you've been taking time off work. Have you been doing anything fun with that time? I have not been taking time off of work because I'm not sick enough to where I can't work. So I'm pretty much just been working. It also helps keep my mind off of it kind of a thing. That's fair. But no one should work when they're sick. And I know you said your symptoms are mild, if at all there even. Yeah, like today I'm just like, you know clearing my throat a little bit here and there but that's about it so gotcha for anyone listening that should tell you uh your vaccines work and so does the new antivirals so go ahead and grab some of that while you can that good good stuff (laughs) (laughs) well i mean since you didn't bite when i asked before and is mm. there anything that you have been enjoying media ah. or otherwise that that was your transition <laughs> that i did not pick up on correct well, yes and no <laughs> in the realm of music 
a mm. particular band just dropped a new track. That band being wait, called... Wait, 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 wait. Is it well, MCR? It's MCR, man. Dude, yeah, I've been listening to that too. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? It's really good. It made me go back and listen to Danger Days, I believe yeah. is the album. Mm-hmm. One, like, probably my least listened to My Chem album. Mm-hmm. Uh that album is pretty good. Hell it's yeah, not it it's not it's not at all my favorite My Chem album and I don't know that it is anybody's but I don't think that makes it a bad album. I like that it's its own thing. Um yeah. and my I will say one of my favorite songs of theirs is on that album uh called Destroya. Well, that's also a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it's called um um Save Yourself I'll Hold Them Back. And I don't even know if I know it off the top of my head, but I probably know the song. But yeah, it's uh, it has a one part that I particularly like where they're like, um, fuck, <laughs> I can't quite <laughs> remember uh, exactly how it leads up to it, but basically like each part of the song it adds another element on the and the last time it repeats, uh, Gerard goes, "You motherfucker!" Whoa. Uh, I know, uh, yeah, just yeah. saying, you motherfucker, yeah. Yeah, like, it's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I've been listening to that new My Kim song, and it's intentionally mixed to sound like it's decaying, hence the song title. Mm-hmm. And listening to it on a headphones gives you that, you can hear all the layers, all the effects. Yeah, that's one, it, it was giving me that, like, huge uh, Black Parade out. Al- like, the, the whole album is just, like, this huge like bombastic album right mm-hmm. and i was definitely getting some of those yeah si- similar vibes of just like this song is massive but what a way for them to come back after you know they, they haven't released anything since 2014 when they were doing some like b-sides right and then they just come back with a six minute song <laughs> without announcing it and yeah just hello my chem is here i mean was was that the uh, COVID project for the the Way Brothers? Probably. I mean, I know they had that tour that they're just now embarking on. So, yeah. I wonder if this is always the plan or if it was like, you know, well, now we have all this time now that we had to delay. So let's do an album. And now they have an album to go with it. Oh, well, wait. So are you, do, you, do you think that they had that song kind of locked and loaded, ready to go? as just kind of like a here we're going on tour thing or you're saying once that tour got delayed that they decided to do an album that's what i'm wondering because they uh, also released like new band photos which like they hadn't done before yeah um you know so who knows but we'll see either but, way i'm glad those guys are back they make great music was that going to be the music thing that you were uh absolutely not that's oh. not what I want to talk about at all. Okay. I want to talk about my last day at work. <laughs> oh, here's a hard pivot. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not a pivot. It's just I have this weird kind of, like, thing where I always listen to a particular song mm-hmm. on my last day. Okay. And it's, it's by a band, Less Than Jake. Ah, that's what I was going to predict. Yeah, what is it? What's the song? Last hour of the last day of work. Yep. So that's a good song. I started out my last hour today at work listening Mm -hmm. to that album. Well, that song, 
and then I just put on a bunch of different Less Than Jake. I kind of skipped around the whole discography. Fuck yeah. And I haven't listened to Less Than Jake since I probably saw them at Fest. Whatever that last time it was. Years ago. Yeah, definitely. I want to say maybe three, four years ago. Yeah. I'm not sure what the COVID hiatus of Fest was. I think it was the fall of 2019. That sounds right. That sounds right. You should, if you hadn't, which I'm guessing you hadn't because I hadn't, um, check out their most recent album that they ended up putting out during 2020, like during okay. COVID. Uh, first album without Vinny. Uh, yeah, so, right, right. You know, lyrics are, have a different style to them. Okay. Um, lots of solid melodies, lots of solid... Like, there's something... As much as I don't like listen to them every day anymore or anything, mm-hmm. there's certain parts and certain songs that Roger and Chris's vo- vocals and the way they write melodies it like hits that sweet spot and I'm like oh yeah this is this is still really good. This is the good shit. Yeah. And I mean you're also wearing a shirt right now that's always makes me giddy because uh, <laughs> are you are you hot for my shirt? I am hot for your shirt because that is. My favorite album <laughs> of that year, for sure. Uh, and that album, that album is Jimmy World's... Is it Surviving or just Survive? I don't remember. Surviving. But yeah. Uh, that is just top to bottom. It. It's hard hmm. to say it's my favorite Jimmy World album, but it's definitely like... Of course not. It's not Futures. I mean, come on. Dude, but there's some times when I'm like... Dude, is this the best one? Is this the best one? I need to so, give it a proper listen. So Have you still not? I'm sure I have, like, on a flight or something, and I just, you know, I, I wasn't tuned in, but I, I think I'm ready for it. It, I mean, I feel like Jimmy World always has, like, songs and moments that hit you emotionally. Oh, yeah. And And, like, if you're not feeling it, when you're listening to it it doesn't like resonate as well but something yeah. about this album when it came out mm-hmm. with my emotional state <laughs> okay at at the time just just everything about it just like rang through me so it's probably going to ring through me just... yeah like yeah the single off that album like i'm not usually this video no not that one that one is a weird like a weird ass <laughs> video but it's a really cool and weird song that fits really well in the album but I, if you just heard that and saw that video i think you'd be like what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. uh but in context with the album i think it's really like well executed but no the the like big kind of like pop single all the way stay okay uh that song's real good and hits a lot of just you know very emotional notes that okay you know Jimmy World is want to do and I think it's one of their best one of those would you put this in the same category in terms of um, it oddly hitting at the right time but also being later in a band's career as Yellow Cards Southern Air uh in that same vibe for sure mm-hmm. absolutely like uh southern air is kind of like this reminiscent of 
yellow card in a way and like nostalgic for like kind of everything like yeah uh where this i think is just kind of like a really good album and it's not like necessarily reminiscent yeah like and, and like doused with nostalgia the way that that yellow card album is mm-hmm. so much more its own thing but it stands on its own yeah yeah yeah, it's, it's funny you should say that because this shirt to me is just a tour shirt. Like, cause yeah. I, because I haven't really listened to the album, I just remember going to this concert. Yeah. Um, and I will say that I think the only time I've seen them, well, no, I've seen them twice. Once at the Pop Disaster Tour in t- 2002, mind you. I'm still angry about that night. <laughs> uh, along with Blink-182 and Green Day. Um and then the second time, it was sometime in, at the House of Blues when I still lived in Florida before I moved back. Um, I, I think that was with me. Because I think... Yeah? I saw them twice at the House of Blues. One time was completely by myself. Uh-huh. And I was... Yeah, that was probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to, period. Like, full stop. Uh, okay, that tracks. Because the one I went to, which could have been with you, was one of yeah. the best concerts I've ever been to. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, A, they're just phenomenal performers, and then B, also, like, I was in the middle of the crowd by myself, like, in the pit, and, you know, it's mm-hmm. a Jimmy World show, it's not like it's a it's a mosh pit, you know, no. it's just, you know, a bunch of people, like, swaying, and, like, yeah. like at some point, we were all, like, everybody, like, locked arms, not uh, our hands behind everybody's back, and, like, we're swaying together and everything, like, it was a real, like, kumbaya type of moment. You might say that it just takes some time, little crowd. You're in the middle of the crowd. Everything is going to be all right, crowd. (laughs) Why are we even doing this podcast? What is this shit? Why is anybody listening? (laughs) That's the joke, Kyle. They're not. (laughs) I mean, that's true, I guess. Um, Outside of music... You've been you've been watching watching anything? Let's see. We talked about Dune last week. And Dune. I did finish that. I need to finish that. Um, I finished it in my kind of ten minute chunks, and then mm-hmm. I watched like half an hour. Was the last kind of chunk that I watched. Mm-hmm. Movie still good. Don't want to get into it too deeply because we talked about it a lot last week. But I did go see. What's that new movie? in theaters with the Marvel uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's the one. It was pretty good. It was weird. What are it's... your spoiler thoughts? You said my spoiler thoughts? Yeah, feel uh, free uh, to spoil. Okay, we're going to spoil it. Uh, I thought that seeing Patrick Stewart be Professor X was cool, uh-huh. and John Krasinski <laughs> was weird, and I was just kind of like... <clears throat> As soon as it happened on, like, as soon as I saw it happening, I was just kind of like, oh, right, isn't he, like, some, like, fan's, like, wet dream for yeah. him or something? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that I was most surprised by in that movie was the, like, horror elements of it. Yeah. Like, it, it's Sam Raimi, right? Like, I should have, mm-hmm. like, thought of it, but I I really didn't. I was just kind of like... Mm. whatever i'm gonna go see multiverse of madness <laughs> and like it'll be like uh, spider-man i well no not even that I've, i had so 
like little investment into this movie i was like this is gonna be some wild ass multiverse shit yeah yeah <laughs> and, and that was kind of where my head was at i didn't even i don't think i even realized it was sam raimi directing it like while i was in the theater you know mm. like i had that rele- revelation rather uh in the middle of watching that movie i'm like oh right this movie's by like sam raimi directed this this is why it's like all these like jump scares and all that stuff and it has quite a few like raimi shots like ever since i've seen a few of his stuff i'm like oh yeah that's that's him yeah like there's definitely some hallmarks there uh but particularly there's a music cue or like i guess you call it a choral cue that he, he used a lot in evil dead it's even in the reboot of the evil dead where uh-huh. it has like a chorus of people where they're like kind of like in um in fireflies or or yellow jackets where in the background they have that chorus that's like uh uh it has this like rising noise to it yeah 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 and yeah. they have a lot of those moments in doctor strange where you know something happens and then it goes to do a a negative space before it does a jump and it's yeah. like uh yeah jump you know yeah yeah surprise i will say there was one huge disappointment in that movie for me because i had read a long time ago before it was like covid delayed and stuff that mm. they were trying to have like ghost rider be in this movie oh, really yeah and i was like that'd be cool because i don't know that man's got a skull on fire <laughs> he does have that and <laughs> i w- i was very like I had like my heart set a flutter two times during that movie, thinking, "Oh, is this gonna be it? Like, is this where Ghost really? Rider's gonna show up?" Yeah. Where? At the beginning of the movie, when they're fighting that octopus thing, uh-huh. that's not Shuma Garoth or whatever that everybody's upset about. Uh, he throws a motorcycle at the cape or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, there's a motorcycle getting thrown around, and Ghost Rider <laughs> rides a motorcycle." Okay. And okay. so like it, it wasn't like I was I didn't think he was gonna show up then, but I was like, oh that'd be like a good like kind of like foreshadowing, like yeah. there's a motorcycle flying through the air, you know, whatever. Huh. Uh and then the second part was when he's like a zombie or whatever, and there's like all the like demon imp like things of hell that are like the cr- demon crawling at imp things of hell. Yeah, dude. The like black things that he uses as a cape or whatever, <laughs> and it like flies him to the wanda cave or whatever yeah it's rad (laughs) yeah all the spirits trying to drag him to hell yeah another raimi movie well yeah and i don't know if you know this but ghost rider is from hell dude so oh shit (laughs) so uh yeah i was like oh if they're gonna pull him out it's gonna be now because hell and i'm like but Mm. like tonally it wouldn't really fit to have this happen now well let me say that I did not receive that memo, so I was not anticipating that. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say I really did like, you know, the whole treatment of the uh, Illuminati. Like, because it's such a short... Like, I like how they're introduced, and like predictably in the audience that I was in, people were like, oh, you know, hell yeah, um, John Krasinski and... and uh, Woo! Oh god, that's you're gonna have to. Yeah, take that's the gonna clip. Down. That's no, gonna clip for sure. Sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like 
the audience reaction was like people, you know, being excited for all the different characters showing up. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wanda comes in and just like destroys all of them. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty amazing. Um, and I did like, you know, like you said, the horror elements of it. Um, I felt like, you know, they could have leaned into that maybe a little more. It felt like it, it didn't commit to it fully. I agree. Um, so it was kind of tonally like not all the way there yet, but it was good. I got a, I got a, an analogy here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like some 41s does this look infected where they don't Ooh. quite commit to the metal of it. And except, then in Chuck, they totally go for it. That's a good analogy, except uh, does this look infected is the better album of the two. I would disagree. Well, it's okay to be wrong, Kyle. Listeners, do you agree with me, the obviously right person? Or do you agree with Kyle? Do you want to say I'm the obviously <laughs> wrong person? Is that what you want to say? No, I figured I'd let you say it. <laughs> Damn, fuck, God. <laughs> well, on that note, I think wait. it's time to wait. What are you, what are you drinking, Kyle? He's, he's showing me on his screen what he's drinking. I've got some four rows of single barrel. I I realize that you're probably not partaking. I am not. Yeah. I am hopped up on all kinds of antiviral meds and things, and it's best to not interfere. Yeah. But I'm having water that has been filtered through a Brita filter and refrigerated. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's not just any regular water. It's pristine, clean Brita water. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get said, into it let's get into it uh, we are here uh, to discuss the main event uh, which is uh, episode of Better Call Saul called Black and Blue now last time, last week when we were talking about this episode we hypothesized, or at least I did that it might have something to do with an episode of Breaking Bad that involves uh, Jesse and Walt titled uh, uh, Negro uh, y Azul, right? So, turns out that wasn't the case whatsoever. Um, But it still ended up being, I think, a solid episode uh, in terms of moving the the certain plot pieces into place. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I want to go back to what you said about it being not related at all. Because as I was watching it, I did catch two little quick beats that reminded me of that episode. Cause I, I, I went back and watched uh, that episode before watching this one uh, just to, cause we had talked okay. about it. And I'm like, I'll watch that episode and see if mm-hmm. there's any similarities. And I did find two right off the start okay. of the episodes. Uh, both episodes start with music center, uh, like around someone dying. Okay like the music at the beginning of this episode and the music if you remember it's that like mariachi band in, mm-hmm. in the breaking bad episode yeah where they're foreshadowing Heisenberg's, Heisenberg's death yeah yeah um and then <clears throat> the other one is like the first kind of like real scene of each episode is someone waking up in the like early morning like before the mm-hmm. partner because okay. like it's walt walt in bed waking up at like five o'clock and Scarlett's waking up in bed at like three something in the morning. Or sorry, uh, Kim is waking up 
at like three in the morning. Yeah. In the in the Better Call Saul. Okay. Episode. Were those the two? Those were the two. And after that, I kind of lost track. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like there weren't too too many similarities then that were like yeah. Those are kind of surface, but. Right. There was. I don't think there was any sort of like maybe like a mirror, like a George Lucas uh, like poem repeating itself type thing. You might say it's like poetry, it rhymes. Yeah, just like that. That's exactly what I would say. Would you say that we may have gone a little bit too far with our podcast? No, I would say this one goes here, that one goes there. Okay, these are all Star Wars references, uh, behind the scenes and in the movies, for all you (laughs) listeners. Uh, But back to our topic at hand. Um (laughs) The episode begins with a montage of something being built, which we later find out uh, in the episode what it is. Um, Main thing I noticed about this liquid being poured before you even see the ruler that's put into it, just like when I mentioned about the glass in uh, Nacho's truck, it reminds me of the scenes when they'd be making meth in Breaking Bad. Yeah. And there's like a little bit of a hue of blue to it. Yep. I wonder if that's intentional. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, no no <laughs> possible way. <laughs> that's that's the end of my analysis, no way. <clears throat> but I immediately, you know, caught on to the fact that this is going to be this episode was going to involve Germany because even before it reveals what's engraved, you can hear the music is in German. Right. Yeah, that was something that like as I was hearing it, I was like, wait, what is this? This isn't English. You know, like my yeah. brain is like going through and I'm like, oh, this is German. This is German. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, through that process, we we discover that um, it's it's not <laughs> meth being made. It, it's a uh, monument, if you will. I don't know, really know what you'd call it. A memento? Uh, memento is probably a better word. A, a token? Uh, involving a ruler, um, presumably from uh, a slide rule. A, uh, yeah, a slide rule, presumably from uh, Werner uh, Ziegler from uh, season four of Better Call Saul. And I, I did make uh, a note here. I, I have to share. I had a really good time making these notes, audience. <laughs> um, so this first note is. German ruler rules all. In parentheses, oh God, because I do not endorse that kind of bigotry, Kyle. Can't believe you'd accuse me of that. It's all good, man. But yeah, um, we at that point go to our title screen, and we then see, as you mentioned, a spouse waking up next to their spouse. What? I know, blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, so Kim wakes up and she goes out into the living room and clears off a chair and reinforces the door Hmm. because she's not at all worried about anybody coming to get him. Of course not. Why would she be? Lala's dead, right? No. (laughs) What? No. But, yeah, so then uh, Saul wakes up and definitely comes out and is... uh, Kim has lit up a cigarette and is uh, feigning working 
like mm-hmm. getting a head start on work or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of forget where that conversation really goes. Uh, well, at this point, we don't really know if she has shared with Jimmy uh, her knowledge of Lalo still being alive. And so he sees the the chair on the door and is like, you know, I'm glad I'm not the only one who who is still feeling lingering effects. So for a split second, you think, oh, she he knows uh, that, right. he, you know, but then he makes a comment about, you know, the nuns back in Cicero would wouldn't like me saying it but i'm glad he's dead so then you yeah. realize he's and then not. it's like the perfect opportunity for kim to say something but she, and doesn't. she doesn't which is leading me to a point that i wanted to make sure i mentioned a nice little bit of environmental storytelling mm-hmm. the clock next to her when she wakes up says it's three seventeen. when you flip that upside down it says lie and the way the camera looks at it is sideways, kind of upside down when you first see it. Are you? Is that from the podcast, the official nope. podcast? I haven't even listened to this week's episode. Neither have I. That is some weird fucking <laughs> shit going on there. Okay, I like that. She's a liar. Yeah. The the omnipresent you know audience knows, and is trying to tell her. <laughs> yeah. Into into the story, right? Yeah. But yeah, um, that scene ends. I I can't quite recall exactly how it wraps up, but I think it's like Jimmy's like, "I'm gonna go make some coffee. Do you want any?" Yeah, I think it kind of just transitions out of that. Like, uh, uh, Hmm. Jimmy Jimmy says the thing about the Saint Teresa or whatever. Yeah, like wanting what like wouldn't like him saying it, but he's glad she's dead. He's glad he's dead. And her just not saying anything, and then they kind of just, like, kind of continue about the morning. Okay. Which brings us to Gus at uh, Poyos Hermanos uh, being rather fidgety. Uh, yeah, we see, we see him just at his desk writing stuff down on paper, and he goes and checks himself out in the mirror and checks his gun. Checks his holster, yeah, which I noticed, like... It's twice now that they've kind of um, spent some time showing he he has a holster and a, a gun on him at all times. Yeah, and I think they... I, I don't know what they're trying to get at exactly at this point, just to be like, yeah, he's got it, and he's obviously feeling anxious about it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what they do with it later, I don't... I still am, like, a little confused about, but we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to it, yeah. Um... He's pretty, you know, fidgety uh, and is trying to, like, do work, but is obviously not able to because he's clearly rattled by the fact that he doesn't know where Lalo is and where he's going to show up. Yeah. And tries to go out to the front of the restaurant and do business, but then is triggered by uh, a particular set of words (laughs) when he recommends to a customer uh, if they would like to try... uh, the new Spice Curls. Spice Curls. Which I must say is such a great fictional name for a, a snack because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't tell you at all if it's a fry or like, you know, normally you'd have some kind of like reference to it being a fry in the name. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Potato Spice Curls or right. something, you know. Like... Right. Or just curly fries. <laughs> right. But 
I need some spice curls. I would be interested in trying some if they ever put on a a pop-up thing in a city, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd go to any... Someone just opens up Los Poyos Hermanos, I'd go. They did that. Um, I think it was at the Comic-Con the year of the season that Gus was coming back, but, like, he hadn't yet come back. And yeah. so to promote that, like, this is going to be happening, they had, like, a pop-up Poyos Hermanos. That's dumb and good. Yeah. But uh, that set of words um, sends Gus into a state of distraction, much like Kyle's being distracting right now. Are you sorry, dude? I'm opening up my seltzer water. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, man. And he is too distracted to be able to work, and it clearly has something on his mind. Um, which, as we'll find out later, is the connection that, oh, I wonder if, uh, you know, Lalo is investigating the things that he is wondering about my other scheme based yeah. in Germany. Yeah. And then, I mean, I was a little confused at the ending of this scene because he, there's like the commotion with the employees dropping the pans, which I've worked in a lot of service stuff. Those are brand new fucking pans, dude. They would not look like that in real life. But uh, good catch. Yeah, I know. Just zingers all around over here on just all the fine details. Uh-huh. Uh, but then he also steps outside and like just kind of like walks towards the camera as it's panning up and out, you know, uh-huh. to show show the whole like area. I don't really know what they're. He's just kind of like, "Where are you?" Like, yeah, I think it's it's like there's this this phantom yeah in the form of lalo that is is haunting him uh just the knowledge like something he can't control and he's trying to maintain control by by working and i think the the crashing of the pans is more just to like snap him out of his gaze of that one moment yeah of that moment and then he goes outside to kind of like I wonder if it's to show, like, oh, now he knows exactly, like, he knows how to prepare now or something. Oh, like, like he he gets his moment of, like, clarity. I'm, like, I can do this and fight back and win. Exactly. Cause I, and those of you, I realize we hadn't described why Spice Curls reminds him of his operation in Germany. Um, there's the episode, I think, in last season uh where he's at a meeting and uh, his restaurant group is owned by madrigal uh electromotive or something something weird yeah and they're like a big conglomerate and they're based in germany but they're meeting in texas and he comes up with the idea of spice curls there um which is you know that's how the connection to germany is being made i suppose yeah but um after that, we kind of pivot away from Gus and his paranoia. Yep. Uh, the note I have here is Cliff the Accuser. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of uh, Ronan the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's, that was my intent. Ah, uh, Lee Pace. Great actor, by the way. He's great in everything. Um, yeah, so we snap to a scene of the Sandpiper residents being uh, debriefed on their case by Cliff Maine and uh, Howard Hamlin. And that and, other girl, too. I can't remember her name. 
I know that her actress is in Mythic Quest. She plays an equally annoying, like, <laughs> assistant, which is pretty great. I have not watched a full episode of that show. I've watched, like, some, like, weird clip thing, but... Oh, my God. I know. I, I, I know. We, I think we've talked about it, but there's some yeah. really... What Here's what I'll say for those, anyone listening. If you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, Mythic Quest has, like... The majority of the episodes are, like, this comedy... <laughs> Uh, very much in the style of It's Always Sunny because it's done by a lot of the same people. But then it'll have like one-off episodes, like one or two episodes on each of the seasons where it completely deviates in genre, tone, everything. Like you're watching a different show. So those are the ones where you're, you watch those and you're like, oh, now this show's really good. <laughs> so Yeah, it's one of my blind spots for sure. I really want to get into it at some point. Yeah. But yeah, um, they're having that meeting and going over uh, the details of the lawsuit, and you know all the residents are getting antsy about when are they going to see their money. Um, and during that, there's a nice shot of Howard's knee bouncing as he's yeah. listening with Cliff looking at his knee because now he suspects uh, Howard might be uh, a cocaine user. Cocaina. Cocaina. Mm-hmm. Um, Cocaina rock. And, of course, that leads to uh, Cliff accusing him of such and mentioning the uh, the scene from that previous episode, the incident with the with the hooker, with Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> Windy, Wendy. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I really liked how in that whole uh, sequence that... Like in a lot of shows, I feel like they would make Howard like still not catch on and like really just try to like defend himself. But yeah, Howard immediately upon hearing that Kim's involved is like, oh, he immediately calms down and is is you know busy at work getting to whatever scheme he's gonna come up with. Yeah, and I mean, I think you uh, wrote it in your notes perfectly. Howard is hip to the jive immediately. <laughs> he is hip to the jive. <clears throat> and which, uh, and this is the other thing I love that like is different than what most shows would do, is right away when it's clear that Howard knows what's going on. He's very being very clear of like, like the way he's reacting is very much like I don't need to listen to you anymore because I don't have this problem you think I do. Yeah, and, and then Cliff's reaction is still like. It's not too late, Howard. You can get help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's kind of great about that scene is it's playing off of Clifford isn't seeing anything that convinces him that it is not like a drug addiction. Right. Because he's seen it from his son before. Right. And he's not like Howard is not going, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm being set up by Jimmy. Right. You no. know, like, and it kind of explaining himself, he just goes, I gotta go handle this. Peace out. Well, he and, even says, uh, I well, don't have the problem I, I, you you think I do. I have a Jimmy yeah, problem. Yeah, it, but I mean, that doesn't... Who does that convince, right? Like, But, yeah. you know, he doesn't explain anything to Cliff, so there's yeah. gonna be this, like, kind of shadow following him from Cliff on that. I can guarantee it. I mean, for all he knows, Jimmy McGill is his dealer, right? <laughs> yeah, Jimmy told on me. Right. <laughs> So I, I thought that that whole scene was was really good. Um, 
And he immediately I, calls his assistant to be like, clear my whole cancel week. Cancel my whole week. Which is <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm hoping we get more of this week from Howard. I I think we will, given some of the events that we're about to talk about. Yeah. Oh, and I'm just realizing now, for anyone listening, um, I was running my foot along this leg of my desk just as like a, a nervous habit, and I took my headphones off, and I realized it makes a lot of noise. So if you hear well, some kind of like weird noises going on, that's what that is. Yeah. Hopefully your noise gate got it. Yeah. Gate, protect me, please. All right. Do you want to talk about the next scene? I think you should introduce the next scene. Okay. So the next scene is the... It's when Saul is in his new office space. He's clearly got it. Uh, He's got a huge line outside already. And Francesca's there. Classic Francesca. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're just kind of discussing what she's doing there and what, like, her payment's going to be, what the whole operation is. And she's clearly not buying it. (laughs) She's just kind of like, what am I doing? No. (laughs) Like, I'm out. And he's going to double her salary and she what does she say like uh the salary i have with the da like where is she at now or the whatever DMV, or, basically yeah and he goes whichever one's cheaper question, like question mark <laughs> which is, immediately takes it back yeah immediately the wrong answer but she so. she ends up you know agreeing to it once he just gives her a signing bonus cash yeah yeah which but looked like a couple jacksons if i yeah i don't know exactly how much it was i just i i did like the note that i put here that francesca doesn't like the toilets or the gig <laughs> yeah because there's a, a freestanding toilet there uh, kind of representing just how shitty pun intended this office is at its current oh state. shit puns that's the name of the game here at los podcast hermanos no one likes a good pun. Everyone hates it. Yeah. Uh, well, they're just going to have to live with it. It is it is their punishment. <laughs> that was good. Uh, I did, I... <laughs> did want to mention uh, one part about this piece, or this, this part of the episode, uh, was Francesca seems to be, like, hemming and hawing about coming to work with him. Excuse me. Uh, especially if it's just him, because she even asks, where's Kim? Where's Kim, yeah. And he's like, yeah. you mean Mrs. McGill? <laughs> like, she's yeah, my, my wife. wife. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> my wife. Um, so clearly, Francesca, like, regardless of the looks of the place, is still like, this isn't nearly as, you know, stable and dignified like my other job was. <laughs> right. But as we know, she... She gets roped in, as we see in Breaking Bad. Yeah, she always seems to do. She always seems to do. Yeah. All right, well, uh, our next scene, um, which is probably the scene that I was the most, like, unclear on as I watched it and even as I rewatch it, is you see Kim at the El Camino Diner that she keeps meeting all of her clients at, yeah. And her previous like assistant when she worked at um 
Schweikert and Coakley. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, her name was uh, Viola. Uh, she was there, you know, meeting with with Kim, uh, basically catching up with me. Like, oh, I'm so glad I get to talk to you. You know, just, everyone's been wondering, like, why did you leave such a stable job? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really seem like there's a point to their meeting other than to catch up, but we we learn in a little bit that it's like everything else a part of the scheme it everything is schemes it's schemes all the way down um she basically ends up getting information from viola about uh, and i could be wrong on this but this is the way my ears heard it a new judge that's in charge of a class action that they're doing at uh schweikert and coakley and i wonder if that's at all related to whatever Kim is trying to do with the criminal justice stuff or, yeah. or the other scheme. Um, I don't know. As we know that I am the uh, absolute authority on all the legal stuff going on in this show. That's why I bring you here. Yeah. What you said is absolutely 100% correct and nothing about it is wrong. <laughs> your face looks distracted <laughs> like you're looking up something nope there's it's literally me just like shifty eyed just like I have no idea like I like this scene just kind of like washed over me because I think I looked up I was like this is that girl from Gilmore Girls right like, oh shit and, and it is and I had already known that from uh-huh. previous seasons but I was just like I had to like reaffirm in my mind so I completely like ignored this scene. <laughs> well, I I will say that what I noticed was Kim taking a particular interest in this judge that she meant that Viola mentions. Right. Um so much so that it does come up in the next scene. Uh but that's kind of the end of uh not the next scene. It, it comes up in a scene down the line. Gotcha. Um, so clearly it's going to be involved uh, in in the scheme. Um, which which also then brings us to this the scene that is very uh, not at all typical of either Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. Yeah, uh, Jimmy is on the phone. It's the, it's the evening, and he's uh, taking a house call, as he says, and clearly he's talking to Francesca. So he thinks he's there just to do lawyery things. And uh, mm-hmm. he's supposed to see someone named Mr. Ward. Yeah. How Ward? <laughs> way, way to just jump straight to the conclusion. <laughs> yep. <laughs> think that's what they call me, Punchline Kyle. Well, for that, you get to tell the punchline of what happens. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so <laughs> Jimmy is uh, making this house call to his boxing gym where he meets Howard and Howard is like Jimmy I know what you're doing so whatever we gotta settle let's settle it in the ring (laughs) and at first Jimmy doesn't bite he's like nope I'm out Mm -hmm. and there's to me there wasn't enough incentive for Jimmy to turn around and stop and be like yeah we're gonna do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I don't even remember what Howard says to kind of get him to he, stop. I don't think he does. I I just well, rewatched it and he just stops as he's walking away and turns around and is like, you know what? Let's do this. Yeah, and I I don't 
that's the weirdest part of the episode for me like in terms uh-huh. of like Jimmy everything that he does uh-huh. is like why did he do that and they even address it later when they're in bed but uh yeah well I think I mean I actually I was thinking about it more and one thing I noticed is even when he's being accused by Howard he doesn't try to like deflect he's just kind of like okay what's going on here like what are we doing and, and like yeah. kind of accepts everything so i wonder if it's intentional that he wants howard to think you know they're up to something and that the plan is for him to notice um because as they talk about after the fight um well actually we'll talk about it in the next scene but there's an allusion to you know to Jimmy being okay with Howard beating the crap out of him almost as if like you deserve to get to do this because of what's coming next as they say yeah yeah that like Jimmy knowing what happens next the illusion that Kim makes like puts a lot of questions up in the air for me in terms of like the plan a, yeah like what is happening next why does Jimmy want like, why does that make Jimmy engage at all in this boxing match? And right. and did he purposefully, like, take a beating? You know, like, it's not a very, like, well... Like, I don't want to say it's not a well-choreographed fight, but it's definitely, like... It's, it's two, two dudes it, fighting who don't usually fight. <laughs> yeah, it like, it's not a Rocky movie, you know? It's not, like, this intense, like, fight scene. It's just kind of, like two dudes just like in a ring just kind of like throwing fists at each other yeah i um as i was thinking about it like putting that later scene into context of you know them having a knowledge of of what's happening next it like it sounds like the intent was for howard to catch on to their scheme but obviously mm-hmm. they didn't plan for him to invite jimmy to a boxing ring under a pseudonym right so right. jimmy initially is just like this isn't part of the plan i'm out of here but then he probably thinks like, oh, I know what this guy is going to go through, so why not? And that kind of has it make more sense to me. Yeah, I guess I guess not knowing what it is he's going to go through yeah. is the part that's like what it, like what makes it worth that. Well, that's what makes this show uh, great to watch. Yeah, all all the mystery and smoke and mirrors that like really clarifies into something whole and delicious you're a poet i didn't even know it on that note (laughs) (laughs) i think kyle's enjoying his his four roses and just hanging out uh i'm going to transition (laughs) to our next topic which is yes. um, the immediate aftermath of the fight. Yeah, in the bathroom. So <clears throat> one thing that was interesting about this is uh, it shows Jimmy putting on this makeup, this concealer, because he's just been beat up. And, you know, they presumably have another piece in their plan that they have to execute. Yeah. But one part that I did notice is that topic of the class action judge or whatever that whoever that judge is that viola gave to kim she shows jimmy the newspaper clipping and information about him oh yeah yeah his his mustache she's like oh it's good he has a mustache and he's like he says less 
Ugh. less face to worry about. Yeah. Um, which presumably means they're going to try to do some sort of disguise. <laughs> which is always great. Um, so uh, we anticipate seeing another wonderful <laughs> costume set up by yeah. Jimmy. Um, and then after that, you know, they lay in bed and, and she asked, well, why did you let him beat the crap out of you? And that's where that line of, uh, because he knows what's coming next comes out. Yeah. Yeah. But while they're in the bathroom, uh, Kim does the, he, she, like she gives him kind of the, uh, uh, better call Saul, like he'll fight for you. Yeah. Like little, slogan. little tagline. Yeah. <clears throat> And I couldn't remember if he had used that in in Breaking Bad. I don't know either, but it definitely is like it fits the ilk really well. And it was yeah. kind of the one time in this episode where I kind of, if you remember in past episodes, my kind of theory that Kim helps create this Saul character. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was like the one kind of like nudge and wink towards that theory that I have. Uh, for that to be kind of put yeah. in place. Yeah, her suggestion of, uh, and for those of you listening, it's it's her like saying like, no, you, it's okay that you look beat up because you could have your slogan be, Saul Goodman, I'll fight for you, you know. Well, pap. With like doing she, some some fight fists. motions. Um. So yeah, I think, I think that is likely to come up, and I, and I do want to say that I remember, you know, one of the fake commercials you see in Breaking Bad involving something like that yeah With sort of it, it definitely like a montage of like you know drunk driving and like better call we'll fight Saul. for you yeah we'll fight for you yeah. we'll fight for you like just repeat it over and over again maybe like i feel like i remember something like that but yeah um so that's kind of uh the end of the majority of the jimmy and kim stuff which you know, after the first three episodes of the season of being a lot of cartel stuff, it was nice to to get back to them. Yeah. Um, but we're then taken to a scene uh, <laughs> in which we see a Rav Four driving uh, through a neighborhood, <laughs> and I've titled this section "Mike's Ride Along." Yeah, which I'm, I was looking at, it, I'm like, what? Mike's ride along like what is that and then I kind of like remembered that scene which but, ha- which has a really great um, you know one of shot the, one of the signature things of these shows are these off the wall no pun intended shots um, and this one was I, I guess they attached it to like the garage it seems like to the garage door yeah yeah and so as the garage door is lowering you see the camera going above the car and down behind it and then pivoting to be directly behind it. Yeah, which was just like, when I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? What? what? Because like, it, it's moving with the garage door in a way mm-hmm. that like, it, it's like doing the kind of like, the herky-jerky like, like driven by a chain. It's like, it moves fast real quick like, and then it kind of like, like, it hits and then goes back a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, that was one thing I was going to say is like, I feel like other shows, other lesser shows, if they had that idea, they would just have a, like a crane shot and they would just fake it. But like a gimbal tell, shot, yeah. They just put it on the door because even as it hits a certain like hinge, it like kind of yeah. like jum- jumbles a little and bit. It jiggles and shakes, yeah. And I was just like, they're the best. <laughs> like they, it lends that sense of realism, you know. Yeah, it it like it is so like weird and dumb. Like it's it's one of those like it's just dumb enough to work. 
and it does. It's filmmaking with a capital F. Fucking? Well, no. <laughs> it it's fucking cool, that's what it is. It's film with a PH, you know what I'm saying? God damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That picturing that word makes me feel gross. <laughs> Just... I, I don't know that I've ever seen someone write out <laughs> film with a PH. But it makes me think of like when someone describes a film of something being over them. Oh, because it's kind of like phlegm. Yeah. Uh, it's a phlegmy film. A, a lot of PH words aren't aren't good. No. Let's just stay away from those words. Okay. <laughs> Tyler, Gus the Cleaner is going to the cleaners. Tell me about that scene. <laughs> That's a great transition. <laughs> so... Uh, that whole scene of bringing Mike into Gus's neighbor's house is to have him meet with the surveyor or the security guard <laughs> to meet with the security guard um, who you know exchanges some pleasantries about how the night's been and directs Mike to the bathroom because apparently Gus uh, has been in there cleaning, cleaning um, and we see him scrubbing the the grout of the tile in the uh, shower. Yeah, like, what do you think they're saying there? Is that just, like, another, like, Gus super anxious and he's just got to clean because when people are anxious, they clean type of thing? Well, yeah, and I think it's calling back to, I want to say, season five when, whatever season it was when they brought in Hank and Gomi. Mm-hmm. And how they, ha- when that whole drug bust is going down, where they're intentionally going to let people get caught, and Mike forces his, uh, forces Lyle at the restaurant to clean a machine, like clean a fry machine, like five times. Yeah. I think it's like calling back to that. Okay. My like little theory. A similar, like, cleaning equals anxiety type of thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. or being able to control something. Because he's he's a guy who is always loves in control. control. Yeah, yeah. It is a great game. <laughs> what is that like agency called? The Bureau of Paranormal Activity. No, that's, that's... too on the nose. No, I think it's the Bureau of Control. That's what it is. Is it? Yeah. All I remember is the uh, the ashtray maze. Yeah, dude. That game... I need to play those expansions. <laughs> I never did. It came with my Ultimate Edition that had the you know, the upgraded visuals. Yeah. But, anywho. <laughs> my my title here of Gus being the cleaner and going to the cleaners yes. is leading to the next scene of Gus at the, uh, the laundromat, mm-hmm. uh, which is where he is building the super lab that we see in Breaking Bad. Yeah, and <clears throat> it, is that the first time we've seen it in Better Call Saul? Like, I can't remember if we actually saw it in, Be- in Better Call Saul. Like, I can't remember. If we saw the lab? Yeah, the lab actual portion of it. I don't... Yeah. Okay. They had the whole, okay. that whole subplot with those German workers who were building well, it. Well, yeah, no, I, I remember that subplot, but I mean, like, in terms of it being kind of, like, built out and looking like the lab well i mean it still doesn't look like the lab it's just like a dirt 
you know. Well, it looks like a dirt version because they got the they got the scaffolding thing with the the staircases well, the, staircase. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's the first time we see it that way. I think. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> and we don't really know why he's there, but we we see. <laughs> well, I got to be honest, Tyler. I still don't. Even after seeing the episode, I'm not sure I know why he was there exactly. All right. So I have a theory. Uh, okay. It may be a theory that I've read online, but it's still a theory I agree with. Or, okay. or at least subscribe to. Uh, he's looking around and he tells Gus, you know, leave me alone. I'll, you know, I'll let the men know when it's time to leave. T- tells Mike, right? Tells Mike. That's what, that I, he's... That's what I meant. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and he walks down to, like, you know, pretend like he's throwing something away in one of the, the garbage bins at the bottom of the stairs. But mm-hmm. after he throws it away, he... Uh, bends over uh, I don't know if he's like faking to tie a shoe or not but you know no one's in there so who cares he he discovers where the connection is for the lights uh, which are like you know <laughs> like a cartoon two giant extension cords uh, attached in one place and basically is kind of miming the act of I'm gonna unplug these to kill the lights and then you see him count his steps over to the um, machinery, to the construction equipment, it, which is where he places his gun, like on the tread of the wheel of the uh, equipment. Like the excavator thing or whatever it yeah. is, yeah. <clears throat> and so the thought is, you know, it, maybe he's anticipating Lalo to come through the tunnel that Mike references and he says, you know, no one's getting in through that end because there's a concrete slab on top of it. Maybe he thinks this is where I'm going to have to ambush Lalo, kill the power, count my steps over, and grab my gun. I got that as you're explaining it. Mm-hmm. But, like, it just doesn't... The mechanics of the, like, the setup for it don't seem to, like, add up in my brain. Oh, yeah. It's a terrible like, plan. Right, which shooting in the dark in a in a cave, no. Yeah, which which is just not his mo. Right, which is I guess is probably why I didn't really think of it as something that he would have done. Yeah, I kind of wonder if there's more to it, and they're being intentionally like obvious at this point. Right, that either there's more to the plan, or that is his plan, but there's going to be some other wrench that like significantly changes how it goes down. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, this was like the weird scene for me, as I was saying earlier. I was just kind of like, I don't really know where the payoff is with this, like placing the gun there. Like, I, if we knew, then there wouldn't be a show. Yeah, I you know? agreed. Like, I agree. He probably like his plan is probably to like cut the lights, and like he knows how many steps it is to that excavator. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a pretty big excavator. You could probably just feel it and, like, know. Yeah, if it's you know, in the moment and you're just running, you know. Yeah. Like, just feel around and hope you don't bonk your head. Yeah. But. Hmm. I mean, I don't really I don't really have much more to say about that scene because, like, I feel like it was so just kind of, like. It's there. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's clearly setting something up that, like, yeah. I don't know if there's much to glean from it other than like he's clearly setting himself up for something to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that then brings us to the last section of the episode. Yeah. And I didn't realize that this scene was happening where it was happening. 
until much later. All right, do tell. So they're in a bar. Mm-hmm. That begins with two people at, at like a little game thing, talking in German. Yep, and you know they're playing their game. All the answers for the game are in German, and then we see uh, this lady, uh-huh. and she's just got like a drink, uh, and then a Lalo shows up. A wild Lalo appears. <laughs> Walt used uh, 39 snub. It was ineffective. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, he shows up. He's super dashing and, like, just charming and totally just... As always. Yeah. He, uh... I don't... Like, I don't... Do we know the name of the lady? Yeah. It's, um... It's Werner's wife. Well, yeah, I mean, I knew that, And it's but... Marguerite. Marguerite. Right, Okay. Mm-hmm. As, as soon as you said it, it came flooding back. But, uh, you know, he's putting the moves on Marguerite. And, you know, they have a, what seems like a wonderful night of meeting mm-hmm. strangers. And then... Uh, well, they're discussing, you know, like like he mentions to the bartender where he's from. And he says New Mexico. Yeah. Which, which brings her into the conversation. And she mentions... Or he mentions specifically to to draw her into the conversation he mentions that he's from those hot springs which is the only thing he knew about where they were supposed to meet uh Werner and his wife which makes her go i was supposed to go there once but i didn't you know right so yeah slowly tying that so that she naturally involves herself yeah and Basically, he uh, walks her home by the end of the night, by the end of this whole encounter of them just kind of like schmoozing and being smooth. After an interesting conversation where he's trying to pry more information about Werner's death, and she mentions that, because he's like, oh, the the dig team, his team didn't go to the funeral or anything, and she makes a point to say that they sent mementos keepsakes but didn't actually go right um and that's going to come into play in a moment but continue yeah i mean even seeing them walk home it was still not clear to me that they were actually in germany so after this whole conversation in the bar (laughs) where she has kind of a german accent and those people have german uh they're speaking in german well like it didn't it didn't read to me that they were in Germany. Okay. Like very, very clearly, like yes, that those two people were German, and that uh, <laughs> she. <laughs> Why would they be playing an arcade game in German if they're not in Germany? I don't know, man. <laughs> but either way, okay, my it idiot, doesn't matter. My my, my <laughs> idiot, dumb like just american brain goes yep clearly they're just in new mexico like or not not even like just wherever the fuck you know a bar in north america even though the bartender's like you american and he's like yeah (laughs) no but he doesn't he say no i'm mexican or something no he says i'm from he's like are you american new mexico he says yeah i am i'm from new mexico because he guesses Are you from California? And he goes, no, yeah. New Mexico. Right, right. Um, I, before we get off of that, I do, <laughs> I do want to call out 
I, I want to say it's the bartender when he overhears the thing about the hot springs. He mentions something about how good hot springs are because of the, and then he can't pronounce it. And he basically wants him to say minerals. So then oh. Lala goes, minerals. Which yeah. Which makes me think of Hank and his minerals. Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Minerals, <laughs> I totally Murray. Forgot. Yeah. With some 2013 memes. Yeah. <laughs> but basically i didn't realize it was okay uh, here we go Mm -hmm. reset (laughs) you got this guy lalo walks uh marguerite back to her house and they have this kind of like will she invite him in type of thing she Mm -hmm. even like she's like when are you leaving he's like tomorrow you know Mm -hmm. like the perfect kind of like enticement to like Yeah. yeah uh but no, she stays faithful to her late husband and goes home. And then there's a wide shot of her house and Lala walking away. And I go, oh, shit, they're in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets by you, Kyle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, that's how long it took me to realize they were in Germany. And yeah. I thought I was pretty. I thought I was pretty deaf because I was like, "Oh look, there's a bike path there, and that sign is definitely not American. They're in Germany." <laughs> and uh, nothing gets by boy, you. Boy, was I quick on the uptake on that. Well, you know what? It's all right, Kyle, uh, because this transitions to the final scene of the episode, where. It's the next morning, and Marguerite is leaving uh, to catch a tram to get to work, or a train. Something. And on the next shot, we see Lalo, that sneaky bastard, entering her house. Yep. Uh, And he immediately comes into contact with, uh, I can't remember what the German word is, but it's Little Bear. Yeah. Um, And that's the little tiny dog that she has that's barking its head off. Yep. And at first you think, oh no, he better not kill that dog. <laughs> right. Um, but it turns out it's okay. The only the way you get German dogs to quiet down is to speak Spanish to them. <laughs> yeah, which is real fun. I mean, I guess dogs are very smart, intelligent animals, right? So they totally understand every amount of language that is spoken to them. So, like, you just talk in a high pitch voice and you just give a little... And they will comply. Yeah. You know? It's all about tone and voice. That's all they really listen for. Um, yeah, and so he, you know, is exploring the house and goes upstairs, and he's at first looking through like work documents, like binders of Verners, and yeah. then he's looking even through some cards, which are clearly cards from the memorial, because she mentioned the whole memento thing. Yeah, and as that happens, uh, we see Marguerite comes home, uh, having forgotten. Her, her phone. phone, I want to say, yeah. That's yeah. She, she mentions it to Little Bear. Uh, but Little Bear does not care. That rhymed. <laughs> um, and he is, you know, uh, barking his head off to try and warn her that another person is in the house, which for a moment, you know, has her going to investigate and almost go up the stairs. Actually, she does go up the stairs, but not... Are you kidding me? Yeah, she does. Yeah, not quickly, though. Yeah. And... I just want to say that scenes like this are why I love both of these shows. So much is said without any dialogue, just the camera shots and the tone 
where you just know like something is going to happen and it's probably going to be bad yeah and the only complaint i have with scenes like this in particular is when it's like really quiet and like mm-hmm. it's like no one can move that silently through a house on either side of it like marguerite moving or lalo like getting out a window imagine trying to get out a window without like any sound <laughs> a second story someone... window that's tiny uh, yeah that yeah. You, you know like that's like the little like bit of it that like kind of like breaks my suspension of disbelief or whatever mm. but uh the tension it builds just in general though is is mwah, chef's kiss it's very good and yeah we see Marguerite going upstairs to investigate, but by that point, Lalo, he already, he was getting his silencer on his pistol. He was getting ready. Yeah. And he notices across from him the, uh, the moment, the memento, memento. Mo- the moment of two. <laughs> that was teased at the very start of the episode, uh, yeah. which was a gift from Werner's crew, uh, from his Yugen, his boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, with and, love yep and um, you know that uh, presumably I'm wondering as far as my prediction goes is that Lalo is going to maybe because I noticed him looking on the bottom he might find where it was manufactured and then track who, who purchased yeah. it yeah 100% that's definitely got to be the thing that was taken away from this he got the information he needed and he got out of that window somehow it's like a tiny ass window I know, and you know, it's up above. It's not like it's uh, waist level. Yeah, but he's I th- he he. Wait, listen. He jumped through the ceiling of a travel wire place in that one episode. <laughs> yeah, so he's kind of a super villain. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he's. Do you think we see Marguerite again? Do you think they get their one night stand? No. I think that yeah. that is all we're ever going to see of her and that whole storyline. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not about her. She's she's collateral, you know. Yeah, but well, she wasn't, but she is. She, she could have been collateral damage, she but could, she was she not. She could have been collateral in this situation, but she's already collateral because she lost her husband. Yes. So agreed. Yeah. <laughs> But that brings us to the end of the episode. Yep. That was it. Slide the window <laughs> shut. Cut to credits. Some would call it a hard smash to credits. Agreed. Hard smash cuts you know to what, credits. You know what else has a good hard smash cut to credit? Doctor Strange 2. Oh, that's true. He screams Tying it all it, back together. His third eyeball, and then it goes to credits. It right? gets that sweet, like, guitar. <laughs> That was rad. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing that I thought Ghost Rider was gonna show up for, because really? they had that they had that guitar riff like earlier in the movie too. Oh uh, yeah, and I thought they were just gonna ride that guitar riff into Ghost Rider showing up. I feel like they have to have Nicolas Cage be him <sighs> again, because that's I'm... part of Nick Nick Cage's like uh, resurrection of his career. You know, I mean, what do you what? Tyler, resurrection? Are you are you trying to say that Nicolas Cage's career ever sunk? I don't think he ever turned in a half-assed performance, but he was uh, very widely known to be very much in debt and doing a lot of B-movies to pay it off. 
I, I read, yeah, but that... I read a big GQ article where he goes into all the details about how that happened, and that's pretty sad. I don't doubt it, and I know that he was doing <laughs> that because of his debt, uh-huh. but like, I don't think anything he ever did was. Uh, I was about to say nothing he ever did was bad. Well, <laughs> but there's some definitely some bad movies. But I feel like everything he, every performance he puts in right. is just excellent. I fully agree with that part. I, like one thing I read in that article that actually really impressed me and made me excited to see the new Nick Cage movie um, mm-hmm. was that uh, I may have mentioned this to you. I can't, I can't even recall, but was that they, they interviewed some of like his recent directors that he's been working with for stuff like Mandy or like Pig or yeah. you know and they said color, like color out of space. Yeah. They said like he's the hardest working actor you'll see in Hollywood. Like like no matter how small the role, he'll wake up at four or thirty in the morning, go to the gym, and then he'll immediately, like within an hour after that, send the director a page full of notes that he has, like thoughts and notes about the character for the day. Uh-huh. Even at his age, at his status, like, and going through everything he's gone through, he's still just like, I just like acting. Which yeah. is why I'm forever like, I'll see anything he's in. Yeah. He's, <laughs> like, I feel like it's ironic to say he's my, like, favorite person. Like, I'll go see anything that he's in mm-hmm. type of thing. But, like, there's not really any irony there to it, to be honest. Like, it's just like, if he's in it, like, I'm at least interested yeah like like i wouldn't see half of those like you know lower budget movies if if he wasn't in it probably like i might yeah. see it if it was interesting not saying i'm not going to see low budget movies because i do it all the time but you know me going oh it's a nick cage movie <laughs> like i'm i'm gonna go let's see what this is let's see what it's about i bought jujitsu is that a movie yes it's a movie starring Nicolas Cage for mm-hmm. like five minutes <laughs> and it's like imagine like a B movie of Mortal Kombat and there's like an alien like there's an alien that shows up and it's kind of like Predator is kind of like the other part of it so okay. Predator and Ju- uh, Predator and Mortal Kombat those movies mashed up and Nicolas Cage shows up at some point. It's a bad movie. Sounds like my kind of movie. It's a... No, like, I, I saw the trailer for it. I'm like, this looks phenomenal. <laughs> like, because it's bad type yeah. of thing. But, like, it was legitimately just... It was just so bad that, like... I fast forward and just watched Nicolas Cage show up and everything that he did. <laughs> and he was good in it, but... Boy, was he having fun. <laughs> So I think the takeaway here is that we would like to see Nicolas Cage not only in a Marvel movie again, but also in Better Call Saul before the season ends. I wouldn't be opposed. I would not be opposed. I have no idea who he would play, but it'd be incredible. What if he just plays some, like, biker hoodlum-like person (laughs) that (laughs) ends up dying? Or or, uh, ends up being a client of Saul. That's what I'm saying. Like he's a, a client of Saul's. He's like a, he's like on the wrong side of the law, you know, as a biker, because you know bikers are always bikers, bad guys, right? As the saying goes. Uh, yeah, and you know he's like, my name's Johnny B. <laughs> Not Johnny B. Good, 
Johnny oh, B. Bad. Maybe, maybe that's the real <laughs> joke because he says, "My name is John B. Good," <laughs> and it's Johnny Blaze Good with an E. Listeners, please send us your biker hate mail at biker hate mail. What? Yeah, if, hate, if hate mail to us for hating on bikers. Yeah, if or... they're bikers that are mad, you know, uh, about our jokes, you can send it to letters at podcast. L- 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 I always forget. <laughs> Is the right. letters <laughs> at lospodcasthermanos.com. I think that's right. I think that's right. And you can also reach us on our Twitter at podcasthermanos. No love, no los in that one. Yeah, because we're just the podcast bros there. Or, yeah, just podcast bros. Wait, no, don't. There's no the. I mean, There's no the. You're, right, right. The, the, the thing is not at podcast name. bros. It'll come up on our website. We, we got some listeners, but no one's really listening except for... Uh, actually, to be fair, I have now been sent uh, a few things from, like, my family and some friends, like, screenshots friends, of yeah. them listening. And I'm like, oh... I did not expect you to listen to this. Yeah. Shout so, out to all you friends listening. You probably just listened to like a quarter of the first episode and that's it. But yeah, if, if you're listening uh, still, we appreciate you. I got to be honest. Most of the people that I've like told about this that mm-hmm. I, I know in real life and interact with in real life, I'm like, just just subscribe don't listen to it because <laughs> it's about a show that they don't know about so yeah but here's what I, i'm kind of wondering like there are those people who they need something to put on while they work and they just kind of like let it run maybe, yeah maybe we can be those voices let it ride baby on that note do you have anything else you'd like to mention no i mean usually we talk about predictions at the end of this podcast we kind of did I mean, we did, but, like, I don't have any kind of, like, big alterations to any, po- like, uh, uh, theories that I've had in previous podcasts. But Yeah, because this episode is very, like, not much has changed. It's still just setting up some pieces that we've known about. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't have a ton of, like, most of my predictions are kind of around, like, what ends up happening to Kim. Yeah. But there wasn't too much kind of enlightenment on that end so all right that's that that's really all i got for any more better call Saul for this week tyler dumont thank you kyle perez on that note here's where we bid you adieu if we had an outro song this is where that it would go thank you for listening and as always catch us next week on los podcast hermanos adios Goodbye, all